Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by the extraordinarily fantastic, beautiful, amazing human Mandy Nolan. Hey Mandy, how are you? Wow, Danny, that is a very nice introduction. <laughs> who's, who's she introducing? <laughs> you know how you always hear people say nice things and you go, well, it's obviously not me. I was kind of like, and my words are all jamming together there and I'm like, can you yeah. add an L-Y at the end of whatever words? But uh, no, well, you are all those things and I could have said more as well yeah. because you, nice. you're amazing. So Thank good you. to have you back on. So where are we in your 12 months? We must be getting ooh, nine months or so now. I'm at nine months now. Oh, my God. Well and truly, yeah, nine months, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Because what's it's April now, 
May, June, July. I think I might even be, uh, yeah, about nine months, maybe close to 10, which is great. It's feeling um easier all the time. I don't even think about alcohol. Even when I'm in a bar, I'm at the comedy festival right now and I've been in bars every day. I know it's really good. It's like a superpower. It's interesting because it's it's like I just don't miss it at all like that. And I didn't, I was saying that the other day to someone, this is the first time I've not missed it where I just went, I couldn't think of anything more horif- horrific than having a drink, actually. Like the thought of drinking kind of disgusts me. The thought of how mm. I feel and knowing that I'm poisoning myself. Once I got my head around alcohol being a poison and that a hangover is a poisoning event, yes, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to do it. No matter how good the poison smells. I don't know if you've ever smelt cyanide. It smells quite nice. <laughs> no, I can't say how it smells. It all made a habit of smelling I think it smells like almonds, apparently. Once you think about it like that, it's really hard to do it and to miss it, to miss poisoning yourself. <laughs> and, and I realise how much the industry doesn't want you to think that. Like it doesn't want you to know that. It wants you to think. It's fun and that you'll be better and it's a holiday from your brain and yourself and it's a solution. It's how people like you and it's how you like yourself and it's how you you have more fun. And if you don't do it, you'll be left behind and you'll be a lonely girl at a bus stop. Um, (laughs) Gee, that was quite a decline. (laughs) You know, like you're just sitting there and everyone else is having fun except you. And it's actually really good. So it's different because I'm at a festival and as you know, so much of what I do, every venue I walk into virtually, except mine because I'm in a more of a theatre type venue, but there's alcohol everywhere. And some of my colleagues that I've worked with, not all of them, a couple of them, they're like big drinkers. Like they will drink mm. till 10 in the morning, go to Oof. bed, get up and start working at six. How is it for you to witness that and not get on your soapbox about it? I have to really shut up because you kind of go wow. I worry about people actually more than anything. It's the people I care about and you kind of go and you'll hear people making jokes about it on stage because they'll talk about it. But part of me now just feels, I can't laugh at those jokes because I feel like it's really sad because I know they're killing themselves and I don't find that funny. And I don't want to be moralistic and banging on. That's someone else's choice about what they're doing, but that's it. There are a lot of comics though, Danny. I was on the other night and I didn't say that I was not drinking, but three other comics talked about not drinking anymore. One hadn't drunk for 10 years, one hadn't drunk for three months. And I went, oh, well, it's obviously a thing. And another one had drunk till 10 in the morning. <laughs> so Obviously a thing. You can see there's more people deciding not to drink. Are you including your sobriety as part of your show? Are you incorporating? I do it at the end. Yeah, mm. I do it at the end. I just do a little tiny bit at the end on my show because it is relevant. I do get quite a response when I, do, I just ask if anyone stopped drinking. And occasionally someone someone one night yelled out, never. <laughs> then I realised afterwards a friend came up and went, I'm so sorry. It's like my friend yelled out, never. <laughs> Can you heckled by your own friends. That's not cool. Terrible. And I don't know. I sort of talk about the reality, and I think we've talked about that before, and I kind of do a joke about the unrelenting nature of your existence of self when you don't drink. You don't get a fucking break. You're just there all the time. You. It's you all the time. You're in the morning, in the afternoon. It's just you, you, you. Like that. (laughs) That unrelenting sense of your own existence. And that's where I realised I drank. To just to knock off that my head, like just to stop myself thinking and to get a break from myself. Mm. In the end, 
you just get more horrible parts of yourself to dwell on. But when you get the break from yourself when you're drunk, because when you're sober, you come back with a vengeance. <laughs> how are you managing that part? Like, especially with creatives, they're so in their head. And how do you deal with that now without having that break from yourself? How are you managing that? I have a hot chocolate, Danny, <laughs> tell you the truth. <laughs> I'd like to say it was an incredible process, but it's chocolate. Uh, just a little bit, just a little something, a little treat for myself. I have a hot chocolate at night before I go to bed. Yeah, that's nice. And that's what I do. That's my process. But you're still, you're still there with yourself with your hot chocolate. Yeah, I'm sitting there with my hot chocolate and I might watch a little bit of Netflix or something. And I have a little, you know, I kind of like that. I love getting into bed. My God, I really I enjoy my bed. Oh, how good is it? Oh, my God, it's amazing. And you know what? When you're drunk, you mm. do not enjoy the bed because you will collapse anywhere. And you well, don't half the time you've got your leg hanging out, you have to put your leg out the side to stop the room spinning. Do you remember that? Yeah, there's a difference. There's, And I think this is something I hadn't realised before. There is a massive difference between passing out and falling asleep. Yeah. And sleep is really beautiful. Like it's a, mm. I, and, and that whole delicious part of the evening when you start to get ready for bed, it's very self-nurturing. So, and that will be, I'll put the kettle on because I'm going to make my hot chocolate and I'll have a shower and I'll kind of wash my face and I'll use really nice face creams. And you kind of do all those kind of self-care things, which when I was a bit, if I'd had something to drink, I wouldn't even wash my face. I'd just go, fuck, I'll wash it in the morning. Mm. I wouldn't bother having a shower. I'd have a shower in the morning, probably brush my teeth half of the time, you know, not mm. as much as I should have. So doing all the things like that. And then maybe doing a little bit of reading with my hot chocolate and then like I brush my teeth and get back into bed and just really enjoy my lovely sheets and and the soft light and might chat to my husband and then we might watch something together and I'll actually see the credits at the end. And then I close my eyes and then I think about the day, I think about what I'm doing tomorrow and I think about what I'm looking forward to and I think about what I enjoyed that day and I think about the kids and then I start to fall asleep. And I realised when I was drinking, none of, I had none of that because mm. there was a part where I fell asleep on the couch. It was instead of seeing myself as a house and when I went to bed, I turned the lights off in the rooms one at a time as I slowly went around. It was like a sudden power outage and it went boom, down. Mm-hmm. And then it would come on again, boom, at three in the morning. Lights on. <laughs> yes. It's much softer now. Like I have this and then I wake up like that too. Where I, I wake up, I sleep more gently and I wake up more gently. And I, I think it helps me be a more compassionate person actually. It's actually made me a bit lot nicer person, I think. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it does soften you too. How's your husband with the new you? He loves it. Does he? He loves snoring like a motherfucker. Like I'm still snoring, I have to admit, but not as badly. Like I was snoring pretty badly. Yes, me too. Ash would snore every night when he'd been drinking, so most nights. It was so loud and so full-on, like unbearable, and he just doesn't snore anymore, like ever. It's it's snore cure. That's a great thing, like smoking and drinking. Because smoking, I I would smoke as well, which impacts your snoring as well. So So you quit smoking as well? I totally, yeah, no smoking. I just no desire. You're a powerhouse. Well, I don't desire to have a cigarette, that's why. And there's no interest. Because all the interest went. So, yeah, it's really nice. I love going to bed. That's what I really like. And I like waking up and getting through the day, actually feeling good. And I actually think for anyone who's giving up drinking, I don't think you really get, for me, the kind of deeper calm feeling that I have now and that kind of more 
energy and more well-managed feelings didn't happen till about six months in. And mm. then I really, you notice, you know, obviously you notice stuff because your liver's repaired and all of that and your skin looks better and you're eating better and, and you, you do start to look, everything gets better. But you never give up drinking and things get worse. Like you give up <laughs> drinking and things, everything starts to get better. I think as it goes on, you start to you start to really reap the rewards in other ways. Of- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think it was that happened within that first six months? Do you think it was just the adjustment period and getting used to life this way? And then after the six month mark for you, how it sort of everything started to soften and change. What do you think it was? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think in the first six months, you are still adjusting and you are still, it is that thing where you're focused on not drinking and not drinking alcohol, as opposed to being more focused on not what you're not doing, but what on you what you are doing, which is different. So yes, I, yes. There's no point focusing what I'm not drink not doing. I'm focusing what I am doing. I'm spending more time with my kids. I'm getting much better sleep. I'm taking care of myself. I'm reading more books. I'm getting time to visit more friends because when you can drive home somewhere, you can actually go more places. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm actually managing to be a lot more productive in everything I do. I'm setting goals and like getting there and actually getting it done. So my quality of relationships to the with other people and with myself was improved. So I think I started thinking about all of that and I stopped thinking about the deficit of what I wasn't doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that way I can, like I sat in a bar the other night till about two o'clock, I think. With That's my, impressive. Yeah. Uh, with my friend who doesn't, she gave up drinking too, because I did. She took two months after and she went, oh, she was thinking about it. And then she went, I guess now's my chance. So she's about seven months in. Oh, amazing. I'll have to get her on the podcast. Yeah. So she's mm-hmm. about seven months in now. So that that's good. And my daughter was at a bar in Melbourne and there's very, I mean, I tell you the one thing I do love is Melbourne bars are really gorgeous. Like this was a gorgeous bar. Mm. And the funny thing was the best part of the bar, it was very small, boutique little bar. They're all hip and really young, gorgeous young people. And the front part of the bar is very cute. And there's this middle room with a fire burning with really groovy 70s furniture. And all the lights in this place are a red so it's just pink light but because everyone drinks and smokes everyone's sitting outside in the worst part of the bar in the rain it's freezing cold and there's 40 people out there all these young people vaping and smoking and drinking and talking and I went to my friend there's no one in that beautiful room with the 70s couches and an actual fire burning why are we sitting out here in the rain where it's why don't we go we went and sat inside and I went this is really good and we sat there and drank soda waters and I think I had an alcohol-free beer and had some chips and and then the other kids that I was there my kids that were there started filtering in one by one to sit and talk to us and then we sat in there around the fire in the bar they were all drinking but it didn't really matter because we were having this great conversation and we decided to uh, I sort of said well tell me because they're like well 24 I said what's your best year so far and your worst year and why and we had this really fun thing around these kids of best year worst year oh that's really really cool it's kind of fun and, and they kind of enjoyed doing that and we sort of sat there for quite a long time and then went, okay, time to go home. That's amazing. Um, Was there a part of you when you walked in and you're sort of experiencing this really kind of cool bar and the lighting's just so, and there's cool decor. Do you get that part of you that 
even the beautiful glassware I'm imagining there probably have beautiful crystal glasses. Was there a part of you that felt for a moment, oh, I could really dig in right now or was it just didn't even cross your mind? No, I didn't actually at all. What I love is you kind of go like the artifice or the things around drinking is really cool. Like this is a cool place to meet. It's really gorgeous and it's small and it's funky and really thought about. And I went, kind of nice still being able to you know I don't need to drink to go there I wouldn't go there if my kids weren't there like I wouldn't go and hang out there sober I wouldn't want to but it's kind of fun to go there it's really cool and I think that when you're sober you notice all those little things you notice I'm just imagining myself barreling into a place like that and sure I probably would have gone yeah this is pretty fucking cool get me a drink but in sobriety and and not being drunk and being able to just sit and actually look around and like wow and actually take all those beautiful bits of decor and all the interesting things that they have around those sort of beautiful bars you take it in and it's a different experience it's really different actually I was really I enjoyed it a lot one funny thing I did get on the way home I went with two other girlfriends and none of us were drinking obviously and it was not that night it was another night the cab driver goes I don't know where he was from but you know English wasn't obviously not his first language and he kept saying you three are the loveliest most beautiful customers I and I'm like going Wow, you said it like 10 times. And I went, what? What? He goes, oh, usually very drunk and very abusive. And I said, what do they say to you? And they go, he goes, they call me black. And oh, oh my God. And that is the ugly side of alcohol Mm. is how here's this poor man. He turns out he's got five kids. He's in his cab driving to pay for his family. And he has to put up with drunk people getting in there. And abusing, like, and abuse, and that abuse, and particularly racial abuse, and all the real ugly that is the side of alcohol that's so common. And you ask any cab driver or Uber driver that what they see, and very often people driving cabs and Ubers in the city are often Muslim and they don't drink. And it must be really hard driving Mm. around drunk Australians who, who have no gratitude, just racism and abuse. Like it's pretty oh, absolutely. horrible. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm like going, it's really, I was like, you know, you get going, oh, you three, so beautiful ladies. Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> and it would actually probably. I felt so bad for him. I just went, oh, wish we yeah. could pay you more money so you could go home to your family, but you're going to have to go get some more drunks. Probably <laughs> helps them reinforce their, <laughs> their religion oh, yeah. too. Just like, I'm so fucking glad I'm Muslim and I don't drink. You know what? It is that ugly allowances we make for drunk people and drunk behavior. Totally. There is that ugly side. Like it is really disgusting. Like it's really disgusting. Uh, I saw it. I arrived in Bali. I was over there doing a retreat just recently and I fucking picked up the wrong bag at the airport. So I got all the way back to the hotel, got into my room, dog tired. It was like past midnight, which is, it was three o'clock in the morning here. That's just not my hour. And I go to get my suitcase open and I'm going off track here. It was not my suitcase. Oh, no. Oh, fuck. So I rang my friend Buddy who drove me and I'm like, we've got to go back to the airport anyway. So we did this sort of shortcut through Kuda, which is much quieter than it, than it has ever been, which is interesting. But just seeing that ugly side of the drunk Australians and I just sit there and I'm, I feel so embarrassed Oh, it's horrible. my country. It's like, this is fucking embarrassing. Like, luckily not every Australian in Bali is like that, but it's it was revolting just to see it. You know, oh, it's fucking gross. It's revolting. It's it is so really revolting. unsexy. It's, there's nothing sexy about it. There's it's nothing really sexy about it. Angry drunks. 
Yeah, it's revolting. I had your beautiful friend Anya on the podcast recently and we talked about St. Patrick's Day and like that podcast episode went ballistic, like just people loved it and gobbled it up. I mean, she's such a great speaker. She's a great orator. Oh, she really is. But what we talked about was St. Patrick's Day and also how it's got nothing to do with Irish culture, not the traditional Irish culture and how uh, alcohol has decimated their culture as well as Australian Indigenous culture. But yeah, and just that ugly side to it and just the embarrassment of it. And it's just revolting. It is really revolting. I think it's very common. Like people don't drink alcohol and behave better like you're revolting and any character flaw you have it will be magnified and amplified when you drink you'll be louder more brutal you'll be tactless you'll be self-obsessed you'll be whiny complainy and most importantly fucking boring (laughs) you forgot forgot your catchphrase repeaty and repeaty Boring, I did forget repeaty, repeaty, but boring. Boring, that's repeaty. Repeaty is boring. And I think it's true. Like that's just the horrible thing of we celebrate this. I'm in Melbourne, but Melbourne Cup Day. I hate Melbourne Cup Day. I hate working any of those days as a comic. People, are, that's the worst day. People are disgusting. Really obnoxious. Yeah. Women in hats are the worst. I don't know if you know about that. Have I told you about that? What women, was it? Women in hats. Oh, women in hats. <laughs> They're the worst drunks. Oh, Melbourne Cup. You know, yeah. I've never been. I've never been to Melbourne Cup because I'm not into the races, but yeah, gross. Women in hats and they get drunk in the daytime on champagne. Ugh. Really bad. Yeah. Like, really. And they're like, they all talk at the same time. That's something you can't do when you're sober, <laughs> which I did note happens. And women do it particularly well is all the women talk at the same time. It's really it's, bad. You listen to a drunk conversation. Blah, 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 blah. I did that. That was me. That was me. That happened to me. And and then everyone's telling their own personal anecdote story at the same time, competing with each other. It's like going, when you're sober, you can't get in. But when no, you, you can't. You can do that. Yeah, it's you just barrel on through. It's like you barge on through. It must be so hard to perform. It's hard enough playing music around a crowd like that. But yeah. to try and do comedy, I can't imagine how difficult that is. And is. you need a connection with people. So you kind of. You kind of, you don't want to. Like I went on stage the other night in the big room at the Comic Slanch in Melbourne and there was a really bad group of 11 people who had come to see someone who wasn't on and they were drunk and obnoxious. And I went, oh, no. And you got to love a venue that just goes, nah, they caught a break. They kicked out the 11 people and when it came back on, they were gone and everyone was so relieved. There was 400 people in that room and 400 people were relieved that the bad, noisy, aggressive drunks were gone. Yeah. People yeah. feel unsafe. Like everyone, you know something's going to go off and happen. So people are having a nice time and an odd drink. I don't care. That doesn't worry me. But when people are in that, it could go real nasty phase. Yeah, and then it's dealing, do you, I mean, do you have to talk to people after the show, like say with music or say Ash does the show and then he's got to go to the merch stand and go and sign stuff and deal with drunk people, which not everyone's drunk, but it's that same tension in the room when there's there's always one that's really fucking drunk and just being really obnoxious and getting pissed off and aggro and it's just so awkward. It's so oh, difficult. I did do that. I had to do it recently. I often have the drunk people. I went to recently, I was at a venue. I won't say where it is because I don't want the person to be, they wouldn't be identified, but there's a very drunk woman who was heckling at a gig. And so I kind of walked her outside 
she had two drinks and I'm going, you know, and I kind of put them at a table so she couldn't get them because she wanted them. And then she forgot she had them, which was good. And then as she sat there, she got drunker and drunker. And then she couldn't sit up properly. And then she started slipping off her chair. And then I'm going, someone help me. Like, where's the responsible service of alcohol? Then I try and go, I don't even know this woman. And then she's saying, she wants me to go home with her. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think you do, love. I don't think. I won't be taking advantage of here and picking you up in this bar in this state, but you do need to go home, but not with me. And, um, <laughs> and then um, oh no, yeah. I found yeah. I got someone. I managed to get the eye of someone who came over and you know had a car to drive her where like, and I had to then walk her outside with the bar staff who should not have served her the alcohol she had had. She couldn't walk. We could, it took two of us to walk her outside, and she didn't want to go because oh I think God. she wanted a few more drinks. That was between tragic, annoying, and fucking sad. Mm. And then you go, it's dangerous. Like she could have fallen over and hit her head and fucking killed herself. Like you're going, he's got to get her out. I, and then I went, before the audience comes out, there's 200 people in that room. And when they come out, they're going to see this person. And in a small community, that's really shaming to be seen in that state. So I got her out before the people came out. And it mm. took me like the whole, like I was going, and at the end I went, fucking hell, it's like I'm working here. I was a bouncer. Anyway, I got I got her out and home. Amazing. Yeah. But I don't enjoy that after a gig. If you had been drinking, do you think you would have gone home with her? <laughs> no. Even when I was drinking, I found after the gig when drunk people, when people are in a different state to you and they come up, they go, I just want to tell you, I think you're really a mate. Like I really live. And it was always, and they'd said over and over, and can I hug you? I'm like, going, yes. <laughs> like, you know. You must. The worst thing I ever had, Danny, this happened once. A drunk person came up after a gig. It was in a small country town in Queensland. She was the local cop's wife too, which made it even more terrifying. Quite a bit smaller than me. She slams me up, real drunk, slams me up against a glass, like lifts me literally, I don't know how she did it, up against a glass like wall, like a you know, the sliding glass door of this club, and then sticks a head between my boobs and motorboats me and just goes blah, 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 like that. And then I just slide down the glass. <laughs> and I'm like going... I'm fucking terrified. Like she was really drunk, but really aggressive. And I went, I need to get out of here. It's, I can't even call the cops because she's married to them. It's fun, yeah. <laughs> I know, look, Ash cops is sort of stuff a lot and a lot of women who are quite inappropriate sometimes and really disgusting, like saying really vulgar things and he's just like, oh, and it doesn't impress him at all. He just thinks it's What do they say? Nice. Oh, I don't know if I should say it on here, but oh, it's just rude stuff. Really rude stuff. Yeah, really rude. Are they but... suggestive things about yeah, yeah, sexualizing him and stuff like that? Oh, I bet you've got a nice cock. Things like that. Yeah, or he's making me sloppy me. and all that sort of stuff. I said that to him. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, once he had a guy pull out his dick, fashed like because a lot of women want their he boobs signed. signed and stuff, and he won't sign boobs. He'll go, oh, I'll sign your arm or something. He's not really, he's never really been into that. But yeah, a guy. It was at Yamba. I remember telling Anya about this. We're talking about it, but this guy was really drunk at Yamba and pulled his cock out, fashed to sign it. Oh and I was just like, put your fucking cock away. That's <laughs> Oh, anyway, but yeah, this is, yeah, but look, it's, uh, it, there's definitely an ugly side and it starts usually all very women in hats. It can, it, ha- imagine being that guy, right? He's drunk and just say in another world, Ash Grunwald has signed his cock and he wakes up and he goes to the toilet and he goes, what's that on my cock? He looks down. I can Ash Grunwald sign my cock. What the fuck happened? Like, how did that happen? 
Like, I don't have any memory <laughs> of even being at an Ash Grimmel show and he's written his name on my cock. Is this even my cock? Is this Ash Grimmel's cock? <laughs> and also Ash has got atrocious handwriting though, so I don't think he would have ever figured it <laughs> out. I don't know about this. That's really funny. I just yeah. think this guy just going, I'm going to have to get this off. Like, you know, trying to wash it off his cock. Like, going, my mum sees this, I'm in trouble. And ouch. It would take a bit of scrubbing too with one of those permanent markers. <laughs> yeah, terrible things. And you do have, I mean, I've definitely done things in the past where years ago when I went, oh, the amount of people I would have had sex with that I would never have had sex with if I wasn't drunk. Like, yeah. no way. The criteria for a route, fucking hell. Talk about lowering the bar. Came right oh. down. Like really low. I'm a much fussier person when I'm sober. Oh, totally. Ash and I have been together since we were 24, so that got taken out. But previous to that, oh, there was mornings I wanted to chew my own arm off. It was like, mm-hmm. why? Ooh, get me out of here. There's absolutely that ugly side, which I'm so fucking glad to not have to experience or I can watch it unfolding and know that I can go home and I can wash mm. my face and get into bed into those clean sheets and not have to be that person the next morning. Thank fuck for that. I do remember once, it was terrible years ago, long obviously before I had kids, and I was in a bar and I picked, I was drunk and I ended up with this guy. He was really, he was very rock and roll, looked very handsome. I hadn't really spoken to him because I remembered, I was a bit pissed. And the next day, obviously we've had sex, it's at my place. Then I sort of think I might ask his name and find out what he does. And he was a fucking chicken farmer. And I was going, I know that's really snobbish, but I'm like going, oh, I don't. I thought I'd brought home like a, a guitarist. I didn't realize I'd brought home a chicken farmer. <laughs> no offense to all the chicken farmers listening. Chicken farmers, but uh-huh. I know, at that time I was vegan, so being in bed with a chicken farmer was really <laughs> off brand. So yes, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, we certainly don't pick up on the subtleties because he could have been talking about his chickens all the way home in the taxi, but yeah. you just didn't pick up on it. All no. you're hearing is guitar riffs in your head. Yeah, I thought it was, it was, I was just looking blurry, making it, making up the narrative with my drunk mind. So it's tell it. me, how is it? So you're there, you're doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival, you're in Melbourne, obviously you're surrounded by the booze, but it sounds like there's been no sway for you, like you're very much on your path. And how is it also being around other comics that are still drinking? Is there, I'm imagining last time you were there, it would have been a very different scenario. So how's, how's it stacking well, I would up never you? have lasted. I'm doing one month doing a show every, I do an hour show every night. And honestly, if I was drinking, I would not be holding up as well as I am. Like it's pretty tiring and it's relentless. And if I've been drinking, I'm in good shape. So I'm more obsessed. I count my steps. I'm obsessed with how much walking I do each day. <laughs> it's like real. I'm like, oh, that was exciting. But I'm holding up well. I don't mind. Like I'll go out. I go, I'll go to a, like, I have to admit, sometimes people don't, because I'm not drinking, there's some people that might say, hey, meet me in this bar, and then I'm not drinking, so they don't invite me. You do get caught, you like, people do leave you out, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. Like, I kind of go, that's okay. And I can understand, a bit boring going out. Like, I went out with my kids the other night, but sometimes I've been out a few times here, and I've gone, how much longer do I have to stay before I can go? Like mm-hmm. the other night I was mm-hmm. having fun, so I didn't. But it was half an hour and I, sometimes I'm like, I'm going to go because I just have no reason. As they're drinking and they've got reasons, to, you stay to finish your drink or have another one. And sometimes it's really hard to stay. And so you definitely feel like you feel like an outsider sometimes because you can't make the connections that you'd usually make or stay mm-hmm. longer. And that's just part of it, I think. But I'll tell you what, my work on stage, so much better. Mm-hmm. probably my work in the bar not as good 
but my work on stage, I could not be doing the work professionally I'm doing if I was doing the work off stage that I used to do. I'd have to say, since I've given up drinking, I actually think my ability on stage, I have capacity now to, I don't know, my brain, I'm so much more lucid. Like I am pushing through my confidence, my ability. Like it's, I've gone to the next level for myself, what I, which I wanted. Mm. I'm so much better at my profession than I was before. Like, and I wouldn't have thought that. I can really see the difference. It's, it's really showing up in my work. It's interesting, isn't it, how as creatives we think we need it to get on stage and we need it for yeah. for that creative inspiration, but it's actually the opposite. No, not at all. Like you, I don't need it at all. Yeah, that's right. And it's I'm unbelievable. So, yeah. And it's also, it's not just that I would have been drunk. Mm. It would have been that I got to bed at 3 and I would have woken up at like, I never sleep in, so 8.30, and I would have got up and felt like shit and and drag myself all day and had some fried food and coffee, about four coffees and tried to feel better and then felt like vomiting and try and have a nap and it wouldn't work. And then I'd have a drink just to be okay. Then I'd get on stage. I wouldn't have more than one, but I'll be going on with my energy levels at about 20% and using my adrenaline to push through that in this kind of, and so when you go reaching for ideas and when you go to do things, you don't have the, that you don't have that extra place to go to in your, in your creativity or in your energy, because you're just using that energy to be on that stage and to do what you do. There's mm. nothing to blast you up to the next realm. Mm-hmm. There's not, nothing for that. There's just to get through and you can put on a show and it looks good and it's a good show, but professionally, I know I'm capable of more. And I'm really feeling that now. Like I really feel like I'm giving my audiences what they pay for. Like I'm really delivering. I'm taking what I do on stage with so much more professionalism than I've ever done, I think. So when I see people, actually when I start seeing people drinking on stage, I sometimes go like, fuck, fucking hell. People have paid to see you. Make sure they get the show. Like don't fuck it up. Yeah, I, I remember at the Byron Comedy Festival and watching someone and they've come out with two beers for mm. their set and I was just thinking, that's shit. Like, I don't two know. Two beers, like who needs two beers? Yeah, to get through a half-hour set, I think it was, and they finished them. I do think, I wonder what you would be like if you were sharper and more connected to the audience. And I totally agree with what you say. It's like when you're drinking that much, it's you're just getting through, you're just getting by and you're definitely not going above and beyond. It's just like, I've just got to get through today. I'm just going to get some greasy food in and get myself through today. And then I'll oh, be you okay. feel awful too. Like, you remember how mm. awful when I wake up and there's still days I wake up and I might be a bit, have some hay fever. I mightn't have slept hugely great, but I still feel a lot better than I used to feel like. And I used to tell myself I didn't feel bad because I was so used to feeling poisoned. So to actually get on stage, if when you're working Friday, Saturday night, like you might be able to get away with that. But when you're working six, like I am here, six to seven nights a week, and you do that week after week, by the 14th show, as a 55-year-old woman, I'd probably be in hospital. Like, I don't think I'd have the I would have had to have cancelled a show because I haven't had the break. I think that shows up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're not getting the rest in between. I know Ash notices that he's so much more gig fit now when mm. he's out on the road and touring because and he notices when he's tired, he goes and has a nap or does yoga nidra. He's listening to his body more. He's not just drinking beer on top of it to give him energy to get through. So you're more in tune with yourself, which oh, much is much better. Yeah, it's amazing. So tell me, are you, what's your daily practice? I know you're not really into this sort of meditation stuff so much, are you? So I talked oh, about. I'm not a meditative person, Danny. She's not meditative. <laughs> not meditative. <laughs> Which I walk. 
most days. I haven't walked when I'm here because I walk everywhere all through the day. But generally I would get up early and go for about an hour and a half beach walk. Yeah, that's really nice. And we talked about your grandfather being a dry drunk. We talked about that in the first episode because he just quit drinking and that was it. And he was kind of fucking pissed off about it. He was an arsehole for the rest of the time. Yeah. So how? (laughs) (laughs) And look, that's where I guess with my work with people, I'm all about filling it up with something else or something perhaps spiritual so that we don't become dry drunks, that there's a deeper work involved. So for you, what is that? So that's the walking. What do you think that does for you? I'm just thinking for people listening who haven't found that path. I mean, walking in a sense is a form of mindfulness anyway. I'm sure, yeah. But it's sitting quietly in a room and just not doing anything. But taking some time on my own is really good. And that's sometimes what the walking is, unless I'm with my friend, then it's not that, obviously. Sometimes it's just, I'll go treat myself, not a huge amount, but I often go get a massage, actually go walk, put back in into myself. Mm. I spend time thinking. I drive a lot and I, I will be very reflective mm. on how I'm feeling. Because it takes a long that takes a long time to actually work out where you're sitting and reflect on those core relationships and how you behave in them and what's happening and how you might be more responsive and what are your deeper patterns. I took myself off to a psychiatrist and I went. I just thought it'd be a good time to do some. And I always wanted to do some analysis, not with a psychologist, because I've um, but with an actual. I actually like the idea of psychiatric analysis. Wow, that's interesting. That's not a route that I would have thought. Well, I'm really interested. Mm. It's interested to go, well, I just want to check in on lots of things about myself to go, okay, I've done lots of stuff, chats with counsellors over the years and psychologists and there's no door that they can open anymore. So I think it's more interesting for me to go to someone. The psychiatrist offers the classic analysis, which is actually quite good. And really, it's really fabulously academic and intellectual, intellectualised. I really enjoy it, actually, because the person I see is so much smarter than me. And when I explain stuff and then they'll go, hmm, have you thought about blah, blah? I'm like, no, I haven't thought about that. So I really enjoy that because it's challenging. Mm. But I, I do that. That was just something I did for myself because I went, I've got patterns on every level that we all do. And I went, I've taken alcohol out and actually to just meander through my dark subconscious <laughs> to see if there's doors that I can open that I have never looked in before. Wow. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But I'm, you know, allowing myself to gently go through the process. There's no rush. I'm not unwell. I'm not in a crisis. It's actually doing the work when you're not in crisis. That's actually quite mm. that's quite amazing. Mm. And actually investing in that time yourself and lovingly accepting who you are is a big process. Like really acting in self-love is big. I've really focused on investing in my friendships a mm. lot. Mm-hmm. And that's of really spending more time with people I love, which is always really beautiful. Like I've really I feel so lucky to have such friendships everywhere and deep, long amazing friendships like it's it's a richness that I'm so appreciative so that's been a big part for me that's very Mm. nourishing how have those long standing friendships those long and deep ones taken the change with you because it's obviously a big change how has that sat with them most of them are really what my oldest best friend's an alcoholic who's been sober for a long time so no problem there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, people like Anya are like a really close friend who doesn't drink my other friend wanted to stop drinking so she stopped 
most of my friends, uh, I've got some friends that are still quite heavy drinkers, but they don't seem to, none of them seem to have, look, I haven't had anyone really have a problem. At first I thought they people were a bit disappointed. Like not a few of them are like, oh, because I'm their good fun drunk friend. But now it's actually quite fine. Like I've had lots of, mm. and I've had actually re- really nice times with people and I make it special. So I'll go, let's go to this fabulous day spa or let's go on this forest walk together or let's, the other day I went to a waterfall with a friend and kind of have little, I think, have little adventures. So you're not mm. just boring sitting there having a cup of tea all the time. Like go and do something, like do something that you haven't done before. Or go for a walk somewhere in that, like go be in nature somewhere that's amazing that you want to find and take a friend with you if you don't want to go on your own. I love that. Yeah, going and doing something interesting with those people that you love rather than just sitting there. Have an experience with them. Mm. Like, you know, when you think about what you're giving up is the experience that you don't have, you're not sitting in a bar getting drunk. And really, if you go through all the experiences with that friend of you getting in a bar or being somewhere getting drunk, don't really remember many of them anyway because you're drunk. <laughs> so put down, some new, put down some new memories. Like see a band, go to a gallery, go to an art exhibition, go to a life drawing class and do some painting. Why yeah. the fuck they had to do this stupid thing where they do the drink wine and do a painting? Yeah, I was going to say, because a lot of that stuff, there's wine involved. Or you go to a cooking class and it, there's wine involved. So what that's sucks. That? That's so sucky. I would never do that. There's nothing. That's stupid. I mean, if you're going to do it, like there's actually proper life drawing classes where you're not told to paint the same painting as everyone else. I just find that gross. I'm sorry to check the people running the Pinot in painting classes, but <laughs> fucking stupid. Go to an actual life drawing class. There'll be one in your neighbourhood. Turn up with a pencil and a bit of paper. Go with your friend and draw a nude woman and do your own work. Like, and you can do it and don't drink there because that's just kind of weird. Anyway, <laughs> that is weird. I, I find that whole thing stupid. I've got some things that I haven't started yet that I, I made some new goals, things that I wanted to do. And one of them was I want to learn Auslan, which is sign language. That's basically the same as learning a new language. What is the same as learning a new language? So it'll probably take me about two years. So that's a goal I set that I want to do. So I want to add some skills. I think that's amazing. And at that nine-month mark or beyond 12 months, I think it's a great time to really think about setting goals so that you're not, like you said earlier, so you're not just thinking about not drinking all the time, but you're actually looking off in a different direction. And that's the focus then is something new, like doing something new. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So it's something that you wouldn't have done before. Alcohol took up a lot of time. Yeah, it's like Groundhog Day, doing the same old shit. Yeah, there was a lot of time in the drinking and recovering from drinking and thinking about drinking and not being able to do something the next day because you were too fucked from drinking, like putting things off because of drinking and all that kind of stuff. So you do get a lot of time back to do things that maybe you'd really like to do. So it's really good to think about. And I think you've got to think about what would you like to do? Do you a jewelry making class? Do you want to go to, you know, want to do pottery? Do you want to do painting? Do you want to travel somewhere? Do you want to go camping? Do you want to, I don't know, whatever it is. Like, do you want to volunteer somewhere? There's, lots There's of so many things. Singing is great. I went and did a theatre course early on in my sobriety. There's so many great things that you can do to yeah. push your boundaries and to just embrace something new. Go and do a breathwork yoga teacher you training. You might want to like, do yoga. Yoga. 
<laughs> you might, that might be your thing. People love mindfulness and that's all real good. I just kind of makes me agitated. Well, you actually fun. are being mindful. Even that work that you're doing with the psychiatrist and the walking, you're very connected to your own mind. And that's one thing, especially when you've got a high IQ like yourself, it doesn't make sense to disconnect from your brain and from your mind. I know that there's that wanting to because the mind is busy, but alcohol dumbs us down so much. And that's just such a tragedy with for all of us. I'm down from alcohol so much. I'm really enjoying my intelligence. That's a weird thing to say, but I'm really enjoying my, and it's interesting that you pointed out because I just realized people always talk about, I should have enjoyed my body or my, that I was beautiful and I didn't realize all that kind of stuff. When people reflect back on how self-loathing they were, but they realized they were actually beautiful. You know, where my body was, what I'm actually enjoying is my fabulous mind. Like I, I love it. Yeah. And exploring that. I love the way I can think about things and I love the way I can learn things. And I love that I'm curious and I love all the things I don't know because I can go and find a way to find out about them. It's really fantastic. Like it's, that's absolutely true. Like fuck, your mind just gets better and better. And it's facing the fact that I'm 55. There's no guarantee I won't end up getting dementia and fucking losing my mind. So I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can now. Yeah, absolutely. And that the alcohol is just the great disconnector, the great disconnector from ourselves. And we think we're connecting with other people, but we're not. And we're disconnecting from our own IQ. We're dumbing ourselves down. When you talk about that ugly side of alcohol, no one's having an intellectual conversation at that point where they might think they are, but they just sound fucking stupid. They're terrible. Yeah. The women in hats at the end of that. The other day it was about this guy. What was Oh, something about, um, I think it was quantum physics or something like, anyway, this guy, you know, those ones, this guy, uh, I can't remember what he said, but it was really amazing. Yeah, that just sounds like me on a normal day trying to <laughs> recite something from a book. I'm like, oh, no, I bet it's not. I've, no. I've had those conversations where I really want to get this thought out. Yeah. And the thought is more like it's just a brain fart. It's a brain fart, total brain fart. So tell me, what have you learned about yourself so far in this nine months, and especially with the exploration that you're doing at this point in time, what have you learned about yourself? I am comfortable being on my own. I can sit in my own company in a Mm. restaurant and have a meal. I can sit in a show. In fact, I've been doing that since I've been away and I've really loved it. I really have enjoyed being really present wherever I am. And I'm very confident with people. So when I'm on my own, it's my favorite thing to do. I really love it. I will reach out and I will say, wow, that is a really beautiful shirt you have on. It really suits you. I really love it. And I'll give people compliments. Like I reach out and I'll say nice things to people. And I ask, like, I engage with people in a way that's kind of surprising and really lovely. I had this really cute thing happen. And I, and I think it's made me more present. I'm at a comedy festival. I'm at Town Hall. And there's amazing security. And they're the, this is the security at the festival. And there's heaps of them everywhere because it's at the Town Hall. So I guess they have to have a certain level of people because they're managing thousands of people coming through there. And there's one guy who works near my room, an older guy. And because I really focus on, I ask people what they I really try to show interest in other people. That's what else I do. So I ask his name and every night I go in there and there's hundreds of these people on security. But I remember this guy, his name's John, and I ask about his day and I do all of this. Anyway, I get this really cute text. I do this every day. And it's so, because you're all battling for publicity. And I get this text from one of my producers going, 
One of the security guys here, I think his name's John, he said, well, his son works at Triple M and he says that he wants to give his son your number because you're a really nice person. I love that. Yes. I just went, that's hysterical. He doesn't even know if I'm funny because he hasn't seen me my show. I've just been a nice person. <laughs> and that was really cute. And Triple M's a pretty good place to get some PR on for a festival like this. You know, and that's so why I love that, being in my own presence, being interested in other people and being curious about the world around me. And I'm just loving feeling at the, I'm feeling like I'm at the top. I feel like I'm really on top of my craft, which is a beautiful feeling. I'm, I'm reaping all the benefits of the 35 years of work I've put in mm. and I'm not smashing it into a wall mm. I'm really I think a lot of as women we often sabotage and men do it too but we sabotage ourselves a lot mm. like I've got all this skill and all this ability but I drink because of fear and I drink because of avoidance and sabotage and my true lack of self-belief and when you step into mm. more belief and more self-love and appreciating what you can do. Like it just, it and really enjoying it and going, I fucking love this. I love what I do. I love being in front of an audience. I love this relationship I have with them. It's a real privilege and it's a gift and I'm, I'm loving it. Like I'm really enjoying that it and sounds, I'm conscious of it. Yeah. And it sounds like you're just enjoying yourself in general as well, which yeah. is beautiful. It's a yeah, beautiful place it. to be. And that's where we should all be. I think the further on you go in your sobriety journey, the better that gets. It's beautiful. I look forward to that. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see. I've really been depressed or anything. I might get depressed. Like I'm not a depressy person. Aren't all comics a bit depressed, really? Some are, some aren't. I I have moments of melancholy, Mm. of, of deep sadness, but they're not, they don't last. Like there might be a day or a moment and I move through it. Like I'm generally lucky that I have a fairly optimistic view. I don't worry about much. Yeah, and that's beautiful too, like to have sad days. If we didn't have sad days, we wouldn't know how good it feels to not have sad days. It's just the richness of life. I love sad days. I love it. Yeah, they're really nice. I do like it. I like a sad day if I'm right. It's raining. I like the outside to be, and like a little bit cold. Mm -hmm. I like it to be raining. And I like a little bit of, I like to be in bed and maybe eat something chocolatey. And that's not, I love that. I love that. Get into bed and snuggle with that black dog. Don't push him out the door. Snuggle up to that little black dog and enjoy it. I love yeah. it. It's the full gamut of the human experience, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It is really, is really nice. Probably the only time, the only thing I was thinking the other day, the only time I'd probably ever miss any alcohol is like if it's raining outside and there's a fire in a fireplace and just having a glass of red wine by a fire in that feeling of that warmth of a wine, but that warm feeling of, alcohol got moving through your body and that warm feeling of a fire. I remember that was being one of the big things with Ash. I remember we came home from Bali, we're in our outdoor bath. It was cold. We're having a fire that night. I said, I don't know. And this was probably six months in. I'm like, how are we ever going to sit by a fire again and not drink red wine? Like, how will I ever enjoy a fire again? He's like, we'll just have a cup of tea. We're still Mm. going to enjoy the fire. And I thought, oh, well, that's a bit boring. But okay. And that's what we do now. We have a fire outside and just make a nice chai or a nice Hot chocolate, maybe the fancy adaptogenic mushroom hot chocolate, Mm. not to get you high, people. Uh, There's other things that you can enjoy, and it's still a beautiful experience. You just don't have that red wine, and it's okay. But I I do remember thinking that as being one of the things. It's funny, isn't it? I can never go without that. Fire. Yeah. Something about it. It's actually quite. But you know what? You've you've done it. 
Absolutely. Like, so so you've, you've, it's not like you never not experienced it, like you actually have done it. Yeah, that's right. And it's not actually the red wine that's making it beautiful. It's the fire. It's the people. Yeah. It's the experience. So, yeah. Anyway, so Mandy, amazing. I'm just so congratulate you on your nine months, probably yeah. more like 10. It's incredible. And I can't wait for our next check-in for you, which will be your 12-month mark, which is yeah. fucking amazing. So I'm just looking at your website, just seeing what you've got coming up. I've noticed oh, that a lot look of- look at my website because I haven't updated it. I got hatched and I put up a fake, like a pretend website until I could get around to fixing my website. Oh, so all these things that are saying- Hopefully I get that done. But I'm at the Melbourne Comedy Festival now until the 23rd of April. And Which then is- I think this is when this podcast comes out. Yeah. And then I'm in, I'm actually over in Western Australia- two-week tour from the 8th of May, which I know, which is I think I'm in on the 9th of May. Let me have a look. No, I'm in Bunbury on the 9th. I'm in Bustleton on the 10th. On the 11th of May, where am I? I'm in Albany, 12th on Esperance. Then on the 13th, I'm in Kalgoorlie. And then 16th, I'm in Guildford. 17th, Mandura. 18th, Joondalup. 19th, Medina. 20th, Geraldton. And then home. And then I'll be taking my show, The Candidate, which I've got here at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, because that's my touring show I'm doing in Perth called Women Like Us with Ellen Briggs that I do. And I'm doing The Candidate, my solo show, the Byron Comedy Festival on the 1st of June. So you can have a look. That's byroncomedyfest.com and the other one's womenlikeus.com.au. We're going to be leaving. So we're setting off as of today when this podcast airs, we're heading off around Australia for four months, but we're actually going to be leaving. Well, we'll have to talk about this, but we're in Ashes playing shows at the Indie Bar in Scarborough that weekend. Yeah, that's um, funny. Yeah, and Bunbury as well on the 5th of May. Oh, you never know, we might cross paths there. We might be somewhere. Some, we'll be over there somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. We can catch no, up for a hot chocolate. And what about workshops you've got coming up? So I can see here that you've got some writing workshops. I have my public, I do a public speaking workshop, which is Is called, that the one I did? Yeah, that's the Authentic You one. I love so that. That is, I've got the next, it's my Sydney one, and that is happening in June. It's the 17th and 18th of June. And Okay. Stop. Stop speaking now. <laughs> I've got to say to anyone listening, it doesn't matter if you're doing public speaking or not, that class for me was like therapy. It was so fucking awesome. I loved it. And so I would say if you're in the Sydney area, I actually flew down to do it. So you don't even have to be in the Sydney area, but it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. And I really recommend for people. What it gave me was this sense of self-esteem. I saw things about myself. I had this thing that dropped in. It was like, wow, I've never wanted to be seen before. And that just came out in one of the exercises that we did. And I, I, I can't rate it enough. Like, um, oh, yeah, so good. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I'd love to do it again, actually. And I want everyone to do it. I want my, I want Sunny, my daughter to do it. I want Ash to do it. It was brilliant. Yeah, that's great to know because it is it is one of that one. It's a beautiful thing to work with people and work on their voice and what they want to say, but then look at everything that holds you back and then push forward. Like it's always amazing. So that is authenticumasterclass.com.au. Or is it authentic? I can never know my, but anyway. Send me the links and I'll put it in the show notes. I can't even remember what their website is. I've got so many web, I've got, you know, when you've got so many websites and so it's pretty funny. I'm always trying to find your stuff and I'm like, I get lost in, I, you know, there's, there's a lot going on, but definitely we'll put links in the show notes for that because it's, that's definitely something worth doing. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So that's great. Masterclasses.com. I just Googled myself. 
<laughs> That's fantastic. Well, again, we'll put that in the show notes so people can reach out if they're interested in doing that. It's really great stuff. Yeah, amazing. Mandy Nolan, thank you yet again for coming on. Oh, thanks, Danny. And have an amazing trip. Wow, what an adventure. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So I've recorded a whole shit ton of podcasts to go out and to be scheduled about the whole time away. If people listening this, if you're trying to contact me and I'm very slow in getting back to you, don't let that hit your stuff and think that I'm rejecting you. It's just that I'm probably in the desert somewhere and have no service, which is the intention. I'm not going to be working much. And I'm also saying to people, if you're in desperate need of coaching, to contact Emma at Hope Rising and I'm going to have her as uh, on my auto signature a contact for her she's a great coach and also therapist wonderful person but that's going to be us we're doing some just time out with the kids and not many shows for Ash and just no service great. camping I can't fucking wait I just I cannot Amazing. wait yeah yeah and uh, trying my hardest not to work because we all need some time but I will be doing some calls in between it like some of the big like when we're in Perth or when, once we get to Darwin say but not in between time so yeah amazing can't wait free time thank you yeah we'll see if we're all together I might have a divorce and divorce my children by the end of it we'll see how we go <laughs> I think it'll be amazing Uh, yeah mandy nolan thank you yet again for coming on the podcast well thanks for having me danny see you gorgeous bye bye Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.